You're listening to the E-Commerce Excellence Podcast with Joris Brion. Hey, this is Joris of the E-Commerce Excellence Podcast. And today I'm really excited to talk to Eric Banholz. Eric is uh, the founder of Beardbrand. And uh, Beardbrand is a men's grooming company that sells uh, products for uh, the beard, hair, and body. And um, Eric founded the company with a YouTube channel and a blog. And he has bootstrapped the business to seven figures uh, with the help of his co-founders and his team, of course. And yeah, I'm pretty sure this is going to be a very interesting episode. Eric, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Honored to have you here. Hey, 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 the pleasure is all mine. I'm excited for our chat. Awesome. Uh, yeah, just to start off, I, I, I'd love for you to tell everybody a bit about your background. Where did you come from in your career and how did you get started in e-commerce? Yeah, so my, um, my career started off after college in sales. I did sales for about uh, 10 years. And they would be in various roles, uh, work for a printing company, work for Dell Computers, I worked for um, a financial services bank, and kind of honed in my, my people skills and understanding like pay time versus not paid time and how to prioritize time. Um, but along the whole pathway, I, I always wanted to start up a business and um, I had a really hard time uh, working for people. It was very challenging for me. So I, uh, I stopped working at the bank and, and I tried to start up this finance, uh, excuse me, tried to start up this graphic design business mm-hmm. that ended up just kind of being like a freelance, you know, web design business. And I would make like, I don't know, 2000 bucks a month uh, on good months. Mm-hmm. And um, at the same time, I, I really had this drive to start a business. And I was lucky that my wife was able to, to kind of be the breadwinner during that period of, of my career. And um, I had been growing my beard out and I noticed like through going all of these networking events, people would call me ZZ Top or Duck Dynasty or Grizzly Adams. And those are all like really cool dudes, but, but they're not me. You know, I'm like sure. an entrepreneur, sales guy, you know, a dad. And it wasn't until I attended this event where I realized there are other guys out there like me who, who are rocking facial hair that didn't fit the traditional stereotype that that I kind of wanted to, to unite that community and, and give them the tools they needed to feel confident about not really so much their beard, but about themselves and finding mm-hmm. their own styles and, and being the person they wanted to be. And uh, beard brand was created to, uh, to unite that community. Uh, and then, so we started, like you said, with our YouTube channel and a blog, and we even had like a little Tumblr site uh, where we're providing inspiration to our audience in those early days. Cool. And, and, and how exactly did you transition from a YouTube channel to an online store? Yeah, I mean, to, to say we had like a YouTube channel was being a little... Um, <laughs> it had like 300 subscribers. So it wasn't like we had really built any kind of serious following on our YouTube channel or our blog. Mm-hmm. We had like a, a couple hundred visitors to our blog. So it wasn't like, you know, the, the traditional YouTuber with hundred of tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of subscribers that, that roll out a product. We really built our communal, community simultaneously with our e-commerce business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really for the first year of Beard Brand's existence, it was really a, a side project for me. I was doing the graphic design stuff that was really making the money. And then I would just upload a video every couple of months uh, onto Beard Brand. And it wasn't until I, I met my now co-founders, Jeremy and Lindsay, 
where we're like, hey, let's let's make this a, a little more. Let's try to to you know monetize it, and that's where we were able to find um, a manufacturer who was selling some some beard care products, and we just opened up an e-commerce store. Uh, reselling those products. So we had very minimal inventory. And I think it was like a $100 order was our first order requirements for this manufacturer. And uh, we just started grinding, you know, doing doing the entrepreneur bootstrap thing. Cool. Um, and, and you still do a lot of content marketing, right? Especially uh, on YouTube. I, I saw that you have like more than 1.2 million subscribers right now and, and uh, hundreds of videos. Um, and I know that a lot of e-commerce owners, they struggle with content marketing. How, how do you make it work for, uh, for B-Brand? Yeah, I mean, going back to, to what we said earlier, we're a bootstrap company. So mm-hmm. when you're bootstrapped, you typically have more time than money. Mm-hmm. And that was certainly the case for us and continues to be the case. You know, we're not rolling around with millions of dollars in the bank. So for us to be successful, we have to figure out cost-effective ways to bring awareness of our, our brand and our products. And content marketing is probably, you know, the best bang for the buck outside mm-hmm. of, of word-of-mouth marketing. So, you know, like, you have nothing else to do. You can't buy anything. What do you do? You, you spend your own time. So you write articles, you record videos. And to this day, we have over a thousand videos on our YouTube channel and our, our blog generates a significant volume of, of traffic. And we utilize this to, to bring value to the world. And, and hopefully in return, the value we provide to our audience will result in sales to the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you say hopefully because I, I know a lot of e-commerce owners, they're, they're used to uh, looking at money in, money out and Content marketing sometimes is, is, is really hard to measure um, if it's working or not. How, how do you do that? Do that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you need to have a certain degree of faith when it comes to um, content marketing, especially what you need to do on, on YouTube and, and uh, blogs because bottom of funnel content is not really stuff most people are interested in mm-hmm. or bottom of funnel is, is most stuff that, that people can't make. Now, if you're like a tech reviewer or something like that, and you sold, you know, a wide variety of electronics of different brands on your store, then yeah, bottom of funnel might be a, a perfect solution for that. But for the majority of the businesses and brands out there, you really got to focus on top of funnel and top of funnel never drives direct sales. But we do like to gather data on how things are working for us. So we did a, a post-purchase survey where we asked our customers how they first heard about us. And it was something like 65% of our customers first heard about us through YouTube. Okay. So if you think about that, like two thirds of our business was driven through, I mean, just YouTube. Now, if you factor in the blog and other stuff like that, then it would, it would be probably even higher ratio. Hmm. And in all that, you know, we've grown the channel to a size where we're actually getting paid to create content on YouTube. So we're getting paid to, to, to do our, our marketing, essentially. <laughs> yeah, that's a luxury position to be in. That's great, yeah. Um, and in, in, in your marketing in general, but also in your content marketing, of course, you're, um, you're an important aspect, right? You as a, as a, as a person, you're, you're kind of the face of the brand, and that's quite uncommon for online stores. Um, is, it, is that something you would recommend other store owners to do as well? And, and, and why did you choose to do that? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to say, um, you know, so, so we started off 
the selling products to, to the urban beardsman, which is a, a term we coined. And I, I would like to kind of self-proclaim myself as urban beardsman number one. So like mm-hmm. I, I understand probably better than anyone else in the world, the brand, you know, beard brand and the company and our mission and what we're trying to do. So it's, and I also enjoy kind of talking and, you know, like doing podcasts like this and creating YouTube uh, videos. It's very enjoyable to me, mm-hmm. but I also appreciate freedom and like not being tied to the business. And as we talked about before we started recording, like I'm here in Denmark now, uh, working remotely for, for a month and a half as I, I try to get my team to, to really feel, you know, confidence and, and making their own decisions without me there. And we've kind of done the same thing with our YouTube channel. So I am a face of Beard Brand, but I don't think I'm the exclusive face. So we've brought mm-hmm. in other talent. We've got Greg Brzezinski, Carlos Costa, Jack Malaco. Uh, and then we have all these barbers we're working with uh, all around the world who, who aren't uh, Beard Brand employees who do represent the Beard Brand values and, and what we're trying to do. And that's been nice because it, it doesn't chain me to the YouTube channel to, to create content all the time. I'm able mm-hmm. to, to do it you know, as I have the energy or as I have the freedom. And not only that, the other team members, the other creators had that same luxury because we spread that burden uh, so wide. Yeah, cool. Um, you, you mentioned it a couple of times uh, already, um, values, uh, your mission. I think you're pretty clear on, on, on your mission and, and uh, your values. Um, how important is it to have those? Because I know for a lot of e-commerce owners, it, they sound it, it it sometimes sounds like fluff at at some point, in the, in, especially in the beginning of, of uh, their business. But at some point, you have to start thinking about it because it, it is Im- important. How did that go? How did that evolve in your company? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be fluff for people who don't believe in their core values. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if you're a values-driven organization, then it makes life so much easier. Like, I can't even imagine running a business without core values and a mission. I mean, it's like what it, the core values and the mission are, are the glue that ties your business together. It, it's how it helps you hire people. It's how it helps you train. It's how it helps you manage. It's how it helps you communicate to your customers. It's how it helps you decide which products to carry, which manufacturers to work. All that's driven by your values and your mission in life. And, mm-hmm. and if you're just completely walking around blind, then then you're letting other people dictate how your business should grow and run. So like it's the foundation for your business and every business needs to have those, those values because that will help you say no when you need to say no and focus on the things that that you're really meant to bring value in this world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that makes sense. But was it um, built in, in the business from the beginning? Yeah, I would say uh, I'm very lucky that, my business partners and I share very similar like philosophical beliefs in life in the sense Mm of, you know, like autonomy and free, our core values are freedom, hunger, and trust. Mm -hmm. So we, we want to live our own lives. We want to really do remarkable things, but because we're intrinsically motivated for that, that's just who we are. And then we, we believe in the good of people. We believe that the world is, is mostly good. And yeah, you're going to have those outliers, that, that screw things up, but that's only a small fraction. So the majority of, of people are good and you've got to have that trust within your organization. So 
we kind of had a brainstorming session where we just put out a lot of words and, mm. and kind of like, you know, we would have independence, we'd have freedom, we would have like autonomy. And then we'd be like, okay, which is the best word that represents all these emotions we're trying to go. And the same thing with like drive and hunger and, you know, motivation and perseverance and all those things. And, and we figured that hunger was the best word for that. And then the same with, with, with trust, we went through the same process. And the thing that I really love about our core values is, is they work like a triangle. So mm -hmm. like if you have too much freedom, um, you may end up hampering trust with your team members because you're not communicating with them. You're not doing your due diligence. Um, or if you have too much hunger, you may get burnt out and you find yourself not being free because you're tied to the, the, the desk all day long and you're working too long. So, you know, try to build core values that work in harmony with each other, that balance each other out because we're, we're also a big, strong believer in, in having balance in life. Um, you know, you, uh, I'm not a person that puts like work above all other things. Mm. And uh, I don't think that's a very sustainable business model. Um, although I, I do believe a lot of organizations uh, try to, to go that route. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. I'm pretty much the, the same on that point. Um, so you mentioned your, your business partners and, and uh, you were clearly aligned when it uh, comes to the values. Uh, you have uh, the same way of, of looking at life and, and business. Um, if people want to partner up with someone, is there anything they have to be uh, aware of? Is there, uh, what kind of advice would you give to people that are thinking of partnering up with someone? Yeah, for, for me, partnering has been really the only reason I've found success in business. And I know there's a lot of horror stories out there of people mm -hmm. who have had bad relationships. I mean, I would... I would almost, it's the most important thing of, of building a business because if you have a healthy partnership, you're going to be able to, to solve any problem that comes up in the business. And really it is like a marriage. Um, I would almost look at your partners and see how they're able to, to manage their other relationships. Have they burned bridges in the past? You know, have they been divorced a couple of times personally? Like those are kind of red flags mm. that, you know, they, they may be willing to give up on the relationship or they may be, um, you know, not in it for the long haul. So my, uh, my business partners uh, are very loyal, committed people to their, their partners, their spouses, and, you know, they, they stick to their word. And then I know there's a lot of stuff that talk about like, hey, find a business partner who complements your mm -hmm. skill set. So you have like your tech founder and then you have your business founder and then you have your ops founder or whatever. And all three of those work together. And I would say that's, that's complete hogwash. What okay. you want to do is, is find your business partners to align philosophically. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if you guys share the same talents or not, because if you're aligned philosophically, you'll be there to support each other to, to come up with solutions for it. Now, in those early days, it's, it's very helpful to have like a broad set of skills. But, you know, if you can grind your way past like that first million dollars of revenue, then you're going to be able to hire out any other skills you don't have in your founding team. In fact, you should start doing that as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not really necessary to have that, that diversity of, of talent, but more of uh, that likeness and philosophy. So if one person's like a you know, bleeding heart liberal and one person's like a staunch conservative and like 
you just can't come to terms with philosophy, but you merge well working wise, I would, I would probably just say, nah, you know, like in the long run, it, it may not be being the best behavior. Because uh, bad partnerships can really be bad uh, yeah. from, from how I've, I've seen it with uh, some of my friends. Uh, and then every relationship, every partnership, you're going to go through your ups and downs as well. And, and that's to be true at, at Beardbrand as well. We've, we've definitely grown as an organization as, as we've hit like uh, roadblocks and, and, you know, kind of uh, different things going on in our lives. So it's never going to be roses, but it's that, that moral philosophy that you have together that will help you through it. Yeah, I think that's a great way of looking at it because I've also, up until now, I've always been thinking like, yeah, you should complement each other's uh, skills. But actually, you're right. If you grind your way past the point that that you can hire like other people to do the things that you're not so good at, then yeah, then being on the at the same level and and a philosoph- uh, philosophically, I, I think that's probably uh, gonna last a lot longer. Yeah, cool. Um, I know you're not really a big fan of the like pure online retail play. Um, can you explain what you mean and with that, and, and why it's not the best model? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it it's it can be a good model, but I, I think the the for the most part, like that time has passed. Like that was something you probably wanted to hit up in the early to mid two thousands, but now with Amazon out there with that business model, it's a very challenging. Just, sorry, um, to grab it, just to make it clear to you, our listeners with the pure online retail play, you mean uh, reselling stuff other people made, right? Yeah, Basically. yeah, exactly. Okay. So, yeah. so you're carrying the, the same, let's say you're selling cameras, you're carrying the same camera that you can get on Amazon that you can get on, you know, XYZ camera store.com. And the only difference you can really provide is like the shipping speed or uh, better customer service. And, you know, I, I think like in the pure retail play, again, there's, there's probably still opportunity. There's probably still some markets that aren't being served or they're not doing a good job. So I don't want to discourage everyone from doing that. But I really feel like, you know, there's a lot of risk to having your product becoming commoditized, someone else starting to carrying it, your manufacturer doing weird things and not not selling to you anymore, or they take the business in-house, and there's a lot of risk. So the alternative to that is developing your own product and then kind of owning the, the full distribution channel where you develop the product, you sell the product on your website, and you control the experience. It's more of like the Apple business model uh, for, for e-commerce. And, and I think, you know, if you're starting today, that's going to be a more sustainable way to go in the next, you know, five to 10 years. And of course, business is always changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And your profit margins uh, are going to be a lot more interesting as well. You don't have to compete just on price. Uh, and, and as you said, uh, there's a... Amazon is already selling everything, so it's hard to compete by that. And I know you you stopped selling on Amazon at one point, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we still uh, don't have our product. Uh, our products end up on Amazon, but they're, they're not authorized on there. So we pulled off in January of 2018, and we saw a, a great boost in our sales on uh, our direct website, beardbrand.com. 
And I think Amazon was really cannibalizing a lot of our business, um, mm-hmm. which is, is probably not true with the majority of people who sell on Amazon. I think for us, because we've invested so much in our content and our brand, a lot of people are searching for beard brand specifically. And by being on Amazon, it, it really uh, hindered the, the growth of the company. Um, whereas most companies are able to, to generate business by being on Amazon and, and selling on Amazon. Mm, right. Um, what would you say are like the two or three keys to grow an e-commerce um, in today's environment? Um, you know, it's, there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat and e-commerce mm-hmm. is a very similar way. And, and just like, uh, uh, I just said, getting off of Amazon, I want to, I want to tell you like <laughs> today, it seems like you, you can't run an e-commerce business without being on Amazon. And I want to just encourage listeners out there that yes, you can actually build a business that is not on Amazon. You just have to really make sure you're bringing more value to uh, your customers than they would get through Amazon. So things that we do are like better packaging, um, better customer service, you know, and of course like a better education, better listing pages, all those things help differentiate us from Amazon. Mm. Okay. Um, if you would start over again, what would you do differently? Yeah, I think it's, um, I, I, I would I would actually do things the same way. Now, the challenge is the market's completely different. So your tactics may modify itself slightly, but I'm really a, a big believer in content marketing. I think that just brings so much value to the world. You're able to, you know, kind of offer something to your customers before they even buy from you. So there's that kind of, you know, they want to thank you for the value you've brought to their lives. So they'll they'll just give you business versus the alternatives out there, uh, which I think is just like a, a cool way to do business. And then um, I think the biggest mistakes that, that we made were really more on the hiring process and scaling up our team, which uh, took us a really long time to, to learn how to screen for candidates, how to ask the right questions and how to make sure that, that we brought in the right people that can uh, execute on their tasks and really probably held us back like 18 months in, in the growth of the business. Mm. I think that's a, that's a typical situation. So a lot of people struggle uh, struggle with that. Do you have any tips to share on that? Screening for candidates, yeah. hiring? Yeah, kind of like the, the, the golden light for us uh, was reading a, a book on a subject called top grading. And the basic premise of top grading is every step of the interview process, you're, you're telling candidates that you're going to be doing a reference check with uh, their previous supervisors. And then at the end of the process, you you end up doing those reference checks. So that's a good way to kind of weed out the maybe the C players who aren't going to be able to have a good reference check. And then mm-hmm. uh, what you also do is when asking about their previous jobs, you ask the same 10 questions or so about each job like what was the boss you know how how is your reference going to describe you mm-hmm. and then you say how is this company's reference going to describe you and how is this company's reference going to describe you so you kind of put it in a, a third person perspective and then another way to ask a question that works well for us is um what could your supervisor do to improve 
and you ask Ooh. that three times as well or, or four times, however many jobs they've had. And then you start to see any kind of trends. So if, if the candidate's like, oh, this boss was a terrible communicator. Oh, that boss was a terrible communicator. Oh, that boss was a terrible communicator. And it's probably not the boss that was the terrible communicator. It's probably uh, the candidate who, who wasn't a really good communicator. So those are kind of good ways to see any kind of trends and, and how they work. And, and it's a good way is to, to really getting honest answers from from candidates as well, rather than, you know, like, what do you do best? And spending where, where they're trained to spend negatives into positives, like, oh, I just work too hard. And blah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. yeah, it's funny. You, you mentioned those. Uh, our process looks pretty much the same. The only question that we don't ask is what could your supervisor do? Um, so, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to, I've written it down. I'm going <laughs> to add that to our next uh, interview process. Um, Okay, maybe to wrap it up, what's your number one piece of advice for people looking to accelerate their uh, e-commerce growth? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing for me is, like, take it back to, uh, to Nike's tagline, which is just do it. You know, if there's, there's something you want to do, focus on it, make it a priority, do it, and then take the time to learn from it and either keep on doing it or kill it. You know, mm -hmm. I think uh, speed is one of those things in business that can really differentiate differentiate your, your business and allow you to grow at a, a much rapid, much more quick pace than uh, your competitors. So the more you're able to execute in the same amount of time, the faster your company is going to be able to grow. Mm, that's great advice. Um, hey, Eric, this has been absolutely amazing. And uh, we could probably go on for a couple more hours, but uh, we're running out of time. And I want to make sure that people know how they can find you, learn more about you. What's the best place for people to connect with you? Yeah, so, so Twitter is my best platform to communicate on, which is uh, my handle is my last name, at Vanholtz. And then uh, if you want to look at selfies of me, you can follow me on Instagram, which is my full name, Eric Vanholtz. And then uh, what I would, more than, than following me and interacting with me, uh, I would love for you guys to take care of yourselves and go to, to beardbrand.com and, and buy something nice for yourself. We've got some amazing products. So it's for your hair, for your beard, for your skin. doesn't matter if you're a dude or a dudette. Um, obviously, we, we sell the men, but the products will, will also uh, work for partners of, of men as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Eric. Uh, it's, been, it's been great. Thanks. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. The E-Commerce Excellence Podcast is sponsored by Dexter.Agency. We help e-commerce business owners scientifically increase revenue without needing more traffic. Ready to discover a more reliable way to increase conversion and, more importantly, revenue? Register for our free training, The 5 Transformations That Double E-Commerce Profits, at dexter.agency webinar.